Hello, everybody. Welcome to this first episode of the Illuminati Squatty Potty Podcast, where we deal with all of the Illuminati's bullshit, allegedly, the Illuminati and all of their alleged bullshit. We thought the first episode would be perfect to do Skull and Bones because it's one of those things where we don't know everything about Skull and Bones, but we all know about Skull and Bones. It's a much different picture digging in and seeing all the connections and where the network leads and kind of getting a picture or an idea of how today's world is just directly connected to that world of Skull and Bones. It never really ended. But... Jesse's a good friend of mine. We go way back. So this podcast is fun for us to direct this energy, learn some stuff, share it with the world, join a conversation as the kids say. So we hope you enjoy this first episode. Let's get right into it. Much love, people. There we go. Episode one, uh, Illuminati Squatty Potty Podcast. What's up, Jesse? much man gonna go Glad deep today. To be on with you yeah yeah so, man i guess cheers. we should kind of start like uh cheers coffee yeah i'm curious to see what you found we're doing skull well, and bones today people yeah so i mean i guess we'll just start like uh first of all i'm jesse majors me and dylan have been knowing each other for i don't know what like 15 years or something like that yeah a hot minute you know yeah we were an old band called death of skepsis together um if anyone does end up listening to this, go give us a listen and uh, send Dylan some royalty check money or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's how we met and uh, been friends ever since. And uh, Dylan, I think, has been into conspiracy theories a bit lately over the past several years. So you've been oh, yeah. going deep, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, trying to. I've, I've been reading books because I listen to people talk about stuff, but they don't go deep enough in certain angles. So I'll go get the books and read them, and that's what I want to talk about is the nooks and crannies of the stuff we already know about, but the stuff we didn't know about is what makes it so So, I mean, I'm not uh, – I, I never really spent a lot of time looking into conspiracies, um, but i always really, really fascinated by conspiracy theories. I mean, we've kind of lightly talked about it you know, in the past, but I've never really done the deep digging that you've done, so – this whole thing is kind of you red peeling me on certain subjects that I never knew much about. And um, this first one, Skull and Bones, when I, st- I really just started digging into it this past week whenever we, were, we started talking about the podcast. But mm. kind of blew my mind. Like it's, I didn't even know which rabbit hole to go down whenever I first pulled up Skull and Bones. First of all, I feel ashamed that I didn't even know Skull and Bones was a thing before really? last week, right? I really didn't. So, like, that's how much of a noob I am to, to this type of stuff. And um, I'm, I'm ashamed also because, I'm, did you know that I used to be in a band with uh, with Derek and a few other guys named Secret Societies? It was actually the band before Golgothan that me and Jai was in. Mm. And uh, I had been in a band called Secret Societies. And the cover photo that we used, like, on our, like, page and shit was the cover photo of the Skull and Bones no way, um, you had no idea. I swear, I had no idea. Obviously, Derek, who named the band, he probably knew a lot about this stuff. But yeah, I had no idea about any of this stuff. And I had no idea that uh, that they had these secret societies at Yale and kind of kind of what went down there. So that just kind of blew my mind in and of itself. And I thought the whole thing was kind of weird how the, uh, the more I read into it, how Skull and Bones kind of 
how secretive they are, and then like all their ties like to these ultra powerful people and institutions. It's like it is a yeah. honeypot of uh, of conspiracy theories that you can go yeah. down, and and many of them. Uh, so I guess you know you can kind of um, start off like telling me yeah. what you how, how you started learning about skull and bones because like I just said like mine was uh, was really you bringing it up last week and I'm like oh yeah shit, I need to read about it before we talk about it on the podcast yeah I, I looked into it because it was one of those things that I knew about I knew it was a secret society but I just thought it was in the past I thought it was done with it was you know one yeah. of those old things and it disappeared but when I looked into it I realized it goes really far back to the opium trade wars in China and the Revolutionary War. Basically, Nathan Hale uh, from Yale and him getting hanged by the British for, for spying on the British in George Washington's Culper Ring of the spies. They All those spies came out of Yale, and that was one of the first connections of Yale and the um, intelligence community. Oh, but so... I, yeah, I think I think it was more of a good thing at that time. I mean, from what I understood, because Nathan Hale was spying on the British for the American troops because we were fighting them. But now it seems like uh, foreign agencies use, from what I learned in this, medical institutions and colleges are a way that powerful people infiltrate uh society policy and government in other countries it's not war and that's what yale was as well as uh harvard and princeton i believe yeah but the, the yeah schools yeah so basically back in the revolutionary war was when it kind of started in some way but it really gets deep uh in 18 let me see i got the date right here 1806 or 18- 1806 in Prussia. Prussia was defeated by Napoleon. And they blamed it on the soldiers' inability to think um, about others. They blamed it on the soldiers' uh, inclination to think selfishly during battle. They blamed their defeat on that. So Prussia... In other words, they were blaming on the soldiers just not looking out for their fellow man on the, on the battlefield. Yeah, like panicking and Some looking up for yourself, basically. You know, yeah. I mean, it's war. You're getting shot at by muskets. And, the, you know, I'd panic. I'd panic, too. I'd shit my pants and run away. Yeah. And back then, that was savage at warfare. Not yeah, that. dude. Yeah. So... The, the philosophers of the time, let me see, it was John Locke and Jean Rousseau. And they had a system of thinking, um, let me see, particularly believed that people cannot return to their natural primitive state and in turn are better off surrendering individual identity to the state community. They were naturalists, so we they were teaching that and these were professors in colleges. This is where these ideologies come from, which we can see in America right now, all the gender politics and the race politics, yeah. it's coming out of the colleges. Right. My, my dogs are crazy. I got to snap at them every now and then. So, Chico. yeah, Chico, I got a new one, Coco. My cousin gave me her little chihuahua. Nice. So, little senior chihuahua. She's tiny. But... Their philosophy was that you you get this um, natural behavior pattern from God, 
where you think about yourself and you're selfish and you can't get rid of that. That's what they were teaching and that's what was big at the time. So they capitalized on that and convinced people to give their identity to the state so the state can teach them how to think because using their defeat as an example, if you think in your natural way, it's ultimately just not good. So they used philosophy as a way to indoctrinate people into giving up their identity to the state. And that's kind of, you know, you see that same pattern happening a lot. But so that happened. And then that's whenever they made the school system that we know today. You know, everyone talks about the school system was made and, you know, pressure or something back in the day. But it came then because in his address to. In 1806. Yeah. The current current curricula school system kind of started in 1806 or the system yeah. that we use yeah in Prussia you know a communistic mindset that was basically propaganda that came from professors and, and philosophers and it was science you know science was the, was the religion I guess so John Fitch in his address to the German people he was a professor at the University of Berlin. He declared that the state would be taking over the children in order to teach them what to think and how to think. And this was the beginning of the public school system. That was 1817. And then George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel took, oh, you are excused. He took over for John Fitch in, and then he died in 1831. So Hegel is where things get really interesting because he has his own philosophy, the Hegelian philosophy, which basically claimed that the state is absolute reason and the citizen must obey the state. And these are scientists. These aren't like dictators. These are the, the, you know, the Bill Gates of the world back then. All because a belief that our natural tendencies lean towards selfishness and the destruction of society. Yeah, yeah, and and the people believed it because they just lost the war. You know, they're devastated, so yeah. they cap they capitalize on the trauma of the people, and they bring in a solution. You know, that's overall not really that good. So Hegel was the embodiment of the philosophy of Immanuel Kant, and they were major influences in ger German culture. So the culture at the time was real, like you know, it was on the edge of. Not the, not on the edge of thinking, but rationalization, rational thought, and logic was really getting big then. Enlightenment. Yeah. So let me see where I was. These philosophies they revolve around human nature, so they're kind of playing on human nature at that time to make the school system to start indoctrinating. And um. But yeah, that was the first kind of red pill of this topic. See, I didn't even go that far back, that deep. I kind of started at 1832 when um, um, they founded the Skull and Bones. Mm. Samuel Russell? Samuel Russell and Alonzo Taft, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he My grandfather of William Taft. Yeah, they made the, the Russell Trust and the connection. I got it in here, getting to it. The March of God. It was called the March of God or the Final End. Let me see. It makes sense for culture to be understanding of the fickleness of human nature and trusting of the state to fit in better with society, given our inescapable human nature. 
The citizen could only be free by obedience and worship to the state. This was called the march of God or the final end, the absolute reason of the state. Hegel, still him, he claimed that this march of God had supreme right over the individual whose supreme duty is to be a member of the state. So fascism and communism have their roots in a philosophy known as Hegelianism, basically. And that's what we see today. People so rigidly adhere to the science that comes from establishment like global warming, but they're not doing anything to fix it. They just want to tax us. And the real science points to that global warming is is a solar cycle. It has nothing to do with humans, our output. It's yeah, so, I mean, so, I, when it, you know, when it comes to global, I have not done any research on like what impact humans have made on global warming. But um, yeah, um, I could see that being a possibility. It's just a solar cycle because we've gone through natural phases of yeah. heating and cooling in the past as a as a as a planet. So yeah, um, you know, I. I do just kind of logically thinking about it. I do think it would be hard to believe that we'd have zero impact on the environment um, with just the advent of technology and kind of mm-hmm. pollutants and what we put out there. Yeah. Um, is it causing global warming on a massive scale? I don't know. I'm not a climatologist. Yeah. Um, so well, and, we, and I haven't put any research into that. I mean, we definitely impact the earth because we throw shit away and and like L.A. and when the when the quarantine lockdown happened, the smog cleared up. Yeah. So, like, the, you know, the it's basically all the stuff coming out of the city. If you're in the city, you'll be experiencing that. But the the long story is that when that CO two gets out into the into the atmosphere, it's processed very effectively by plants. Because the the gigatons of CO two that are in water and in the air and at the below the surface of the earth, um, not below the surface of the earth, at the bottom of the ocean. It measures at like 460 gigatons in each one. And then the amount that humans put out every year is like 2.6 gigatons. It's like a super low number. Fact check those numbers. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So the CO2s and causing the the global warming and the climate change is not really accurate because there's another study where they fill these greenhouses with CO2 and the plants thrive. They grow like 30% more. They're super dark green. So the study and those studies were kept down and pushed to the side, but there's pictures from the studies of these plants that are just booming because they've been pumping CO2 and you can go to the store and get fertilizer and it's CO2. And then at the same time, the news is telling us and all these, you know, government establishment science agencies are telling us that CO2 is causing global warming. It's like, hold up. Plants, yeah. plants love this stuff. We're not even putting out that much compared to what's already there. But that's just an ex- whether I'm right or wrong on that. No, yeah. So the that's example just ex- is that 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 the narrative in the in the educational system. We're it, we're, we're being indoctrinated to think, think yeah. certain things, right? Yeah, and, and people look at it religiously, like you cannot talk against what the establishment right. has put out of us. It's like it's like a religion, just like this Hegelian philosophy. So it's really weird how. American culture from I say American culture, but I don't know if I mean culture, just the the system, the way everything works, it's it's very Hegelianistic. It's very Hegelianistic. And that's really, really strange. It's mind blowing to see the patterns of, of communistic, fascistic 
you know, government rule in America. Yeah. This new woke ideology that we have going on right now is a religion in and of itself Mm -hmm. in the way that they, they, they act, you know, like if you, you go against any one of their principles, you are immediately shut out and shunned and silenced Mm -hmm. immediately. Um, and it's quite insane. Um, they use, I don't know if you use Twitter at all, but Bill oh, Burr yeah. retweeted a really funny uh, video uh, of like this. Uh, it was just this skit of this guy acting like a woke person and a, and a racist. And they were oh, like, uh, actually, we have, yeah, we actually agree on everything. Brian you Long. know, and, it's, and, it, and it, it is yeah. it is perfect because it is so true, man. It's like, yeah, dude. You're trying to exclude certain groups based on their race. Oh, me too. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. come on, man. Like, y'all, look, look at the, the, the hypocrisy and all of it is insane. Yeah. Um, but that's, but that's a perfect example, right? So and that's coming from higher, higher learning institutions, right? They're, this I, stuff is getting pushed out to that generation. And then it's, uh, it's just taking a foothold, right? It's, it's these people are getting indoctrinated and, uh, now it's to the point where people are so afraid to say anything against any of that stuff just because, you know, it's like you can be stoned at the freaking uh, at the social square. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 crazy, man. Yeah. And uh, you, you you said um, I forgot what you just said, but basically the Ford Foundation is where the gender and identity politics is coming from. If you go to the Ford Foundation dot com, that's where it's all coming from. That's really? what, yeah, that's what they're all about is, is race equality and the website's beautiful. I mean, it looks, you know, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I believe this. I want good for everybody. But the Ford foundation, as we will see was, I don't know if it was invented by, or if a skull, the skull and bones, the Bundy brothers, we'll get to that, but they be one of them yeah. became the, the president of the Ford foundation and then the other one became the president of John Hopkins University. Both of those brothers were skull and bones, and they were responsible for disinformation during the Vietnam War. So what it's the hell so are they? Insane. Yeah, what the hell are yeah, they doing? This, this whole skull and bones organization in itself, man, just like I just was just fascinated at like just the, the initiation rituals, like the the secrecy behind all this, like what like. The media would try to put it as like, oh, it's just a fraternity, and and they're doing yeah. that to, yeah, they're just doing that to uh, for the allure of people to like think they're cool. But like, you can't tell me that you have that many powerful people come out and they will. No one that's a, a bonesman will speak about it, right? You can't get it out of anybody, mm-hmm. right? And uh, just to kind of, I don't know if, if people that end up coming across this might not be aware of kind of like what happens with bonesmen like i learned this weekend is that when you get well first of all it's a senior society at yale uh so you have to be a senior to to you you're a junior and you get tapped yeah um by existing bonesmen uh to join the organization and um during that ritual the initiation ritual uh, there are lots of crazy rumors about things they do. Like, for instance, they're, they're supposed to take a certain amount of your assets, right? Or you're supposed to pay them a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But you get the guarantee of financial stability for the rest of your life, which that's pretty fucking insane, too. So that's something they can just hold over your head right? Yeah. for the rest of your life. Who wouldn't want um, that? And, right. And then there's these uh, rumored rituals where 
the, the place where the skull and bones meet is called the tomb, right? So that's that's weird. Everything's that's a death really weird right? thing, yeah. Right, yeah. Everything's death centric, right? Um, and supposedly they have they have coffins that the initiates get into naked, right? And then they tell their life story. Um, tell their life story. From, yeah, they tell they, they just tell their life story to the rest of the bonesmen, right? They, they talk about their trauma, like in detail, right? Like all the fucked up stuff they've ever done. And in particular, they focus on what your sexual history was, right? They want to know every detail uh. about your sexual encounters and sexual history. This is all stuff they can hold over your head in case you want to speak or, or speak out and share secrets of the bonesmen later on. It's all just keep it uh, inclusive and uh, and secular from the rest of the world. So um, I just I thought the initiation rituals that are rumored that that have pretty much been substantiated um, were, were fascinating in and of itself. So yeah, don't go off uh, of the rant we were on there, but just uh, I thought that was fascinating. And then just kind of how uh, how it was formed, like you you mentioned to me, kind of in our text messages talking about this, about the, how it ties into the opium trade. So I don't know if you want to elaborate a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, but I thought that was pretty fascinating as well. How not just the Skull and Bones, but all of the Ivy League schools tied into that opium trade. Yeah, um, in the early in the early eighteen hundreds uh, with yeah. China. Uh, yeah, I'm just so, gonna finish. I I, I wrote as I researched. I didn't plagiarize. I just wrote like what I read so that I can go back. So I'm just going to finish reading about Hegel. It's not a lot. Um, no, I'm, I'm derailing. But he, he stated that the Hegelianism was Hegel's philosophy, which stated that reality could be boiled down to rationale and rationale alone. Rationale alone is what is real. People love logic and reasoning and the scientific method, and that's fine because it does work, but it it is a, a two-edged sword promoted by the state with the intentions to use both edges. Remember that. That's a quote that came from me. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So the opium trade, here we go. In 1823, Samuel Russell created Russell & Company as a means of smuggling opium into China from Turkey. He teamed up with the Perkins out of Boston and together became one of the largest opium smugglers in the world. Britain and China were trading tea, porcelain, and other goods, but China would not buy from Britain. So Britain would buy China's goods, and China demanded payment in silver. So Britain was losing all of its silver trying to pay China. Okay, So various British merchants and the East India Company, this is where it gets good, began selling opium from India to China and demanding payment in silver to get their silver back. This was the basis for the opium trade in China that Samuel Russell was a big part of. So the war between China and Britain took place between 1839 and 1842. The American government was neutral on this. They, they stayed out during this time, but Samuel Russell, as a bonesman, was, was getting in. So that's and another Samuel way. Russell, just, just to kind of tie it back, Sam, Samuel Russell uh, was also second. He wasn't a bonesman, but he was second cousin to the Bones founder, William H. Russell. Mm. His, but that it, his... it ties it ties together just because because this is pre pre Skull and Bones. Whenever Samuel Russell was doing this, right? Yeah, Skull so, and Bones wasn't official same, yet. It was, it was until eighteen thirty two. Yeah. Um, but it's all the same family. It's all 
you can consider him an honorary bonesman, if you will. And they talk about other other guys that, that weren't official, but kind of honorary bonesmen, like Dick Cheney and stuff uh, later on. But um, Dick Cheney, yeah, that yeah. motherfucker anyway, right continue. there. Yeah. <laughs> that so, motherfucker, right? The uh, the war between Britain and China saw the secession of Hong Kong to Britain, which is still in play today with the Hong Kong riots and the division between Hong Kong and mainland China. And we're still all about China. We're boosting up the the rhetoric on China right now. It's like this China thing connected with us and the intelligence community and all this. It never went away. It just kept going. But people think, oh, that stuff's in the past. It's like, no, it's, it is on fire like never before today because the internet. It's just the yeah. information, everything just gets out even more. They're booming, dude. It's booming. So during the opium trading... It was known that opium was good for pain relief and sleep, but millions became addicted to the drug. And that was the plan, much like what's happening in America. Smuggling opium in from Afghanistan using body bags in Vietnam War of dead soldiers to smuggle opium from Vietnam. Yeah, and we got troops guarding opium in Afghanistan. It's all about the opium, dude, and destroying communities to control them. And then you get into, you know... The Black Lives Matter and all this and how, you know, what's really weird is that Trump is taking all of the blame for the shit happening right now. And he's mm-hmm. not he's not innocent. But the people that love to blame him and hate him are the people that are going to vote for Biden. And here's the catch. They don't know that Biden created the crime bill. He helped draft it in 1994 mm-hmm. that destroyed the black community. And he helped draft the Patriot Act, which is the very structure that allows for these police to go in and just abduct people like they're doing in Portland. But Trump's getting the blame, but it was their guy, Biden, that built the structure for it. So the same same power structure. It's all the same shit to destroy the communities and to stay in power. That's basically what it boils down to. So the opium trade was nothing more than an 1832 version of what's going on now. So, let me see. Smuggling, yeah, the, the smuggling of opium, that was all done by the CIA in order to kill and enslave impoverished Americans, diminishing the structure of individual citizens and communities. This game plan goes back to Britain. Britain made Yale. Britain wants control. It seems like the British Empire has been working undercover through various means to maintain the same strategies of networks of control. Because we were fighting the British. But it's like they never went away. It's like we never actually won. Because of Yale and the way they come in. And arguably, I think, you know, British remain probably one of the top superpowers, if not the top superpower in the world, until, like, what, World War I or World War II, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fucking history buff. So yeah, let me, let me preface it, that's why I like this podcast because it makes me research the stuff I want to know more about. We don't know about. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, a lot of stuff comes from the Vatican. You know, the the Pope. I mean, the Vatican plays a huge role. I remember, the Pope came out and said he like conceded that there might be intelligent life elsewhere, and that was really weird because like Christians don't believe that. So the Pope's coming out and conditioning people to start accepting the possibility of aliens. And then now here we are with the Pentagon coming out with aliens and this and that. And then science. The I saw, 
Yeah, yeah. I saw an article the other day that said we, they're very. It is very likely that there are at least thirty-six other intelligent life forms on thirty-six planets in our solar system. Right? So, like science, the government, and the Vatican are all inching society closer together, closer to accepting aliens. Why so, do you think that is? Because what, what would be the angle there? Uh. I think you don't want to come out with it right away because everyone will panic. Remember in the 1950s, that radio broadcast mm -hmm. that faked the alien invasion and the whole country panicked until they found out it was just the radio show? Yeah. It, it, yeah, so, yeah. So that's how wow, the what, world would – yeah, well, we weren't alive. But that's how the world would react, you know, so I think they're just being cautious. But also – So do you think aliens are real or do you think that – it might be used as another control tactic by well, that, the ruling class the, elite. I think both. I think both. Um, because the alien goes back to, you know, the 1500s when they were going through the, the Northwest Passage and Soviet Russia and the Nazis. And then, and then it hit Roswell in the 50s. So there's been a lot of activity with UFOs, aliens, and research. And our government is still investigating it. And still keeping stuff secret. And you just got to wonder why. Like, do they have alien technology they don't want people to know about because it'll give them an edge in the war? Do they not want people to panic? Um, maybe aliens are real. But what I'm getting at is Project Bluebeam, the, the hologram project from the government. And in those documents, from what I understand, the government disclosed that project Bluebeam. i forgot what one of them was but the other one was the fake and alien invasion with holograms yeah and then wasn't there this creepy nixon quote kind of about that or some president had a creepy quote about that about how we would all come together in the face of an alien invasion or something like that mm, exactly because that's what it's all about you got to get the whole world to give power up you can't take it you have to get the population to concede the power to the government and that's what 9-11 is and all the rhetoric leading up about anti-muslim anti-islam anti-middle east terrorist 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 threat terrorist threat terrorist threat because now the whole country is is totally down to go to war yeah primed ready to go yeah Shoot and then the terrorist bomb. yeah and then you know, that didn't really happen well. Long story short, they never got any kind of global control. So coronavirus is really working. And you just got to imagine if they keep stepping it up, a fake alien invasion would trip the world out. Yeah, this year has been a fucking, like, wild ride, bro. Like, the whole coronavirus stuff. I, don't, I never thought I would ever live through something like this. I know. It's weird, and it's not that I think, like, I don't think the virus itself is fake, per se. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's some fuckery going on, though, with it, yeah. for sure. Inflated you know, numbers. Like, yeah, and these insurance, I mean, and then I don't think that everyone, like, with the inflated numbers and stuff, I don't know that that's necessarily all this malicious, like, uh, overlord plan of the ruling elite running it. But I like when you when you allow the insurance companies to pay out like way higher amounts, if you say a, a, a patient was admitted with coronavirus and then 
what is it, like $14,000 or something they get uh, when they when they admit a COVID patient. And then it's like $30,000 if that patient goes on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. Like it's super, the insurance companies are super incentivizing, mm-hmm. um, you know, to look for COVID and, 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 and treat COVID, right? Even mm-hmm. if, even if COVID isn't the reason someone committed to the hospital, that to me is like real fucking strange. Like, why is that set up that way? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that all these hospitals and hospital administrators, I think they're just trying to, you know, it's the power of the dollar. They're trying to make money. I don't think they're on this big on this nefarious scheme, Yeah, but, uh, it's playing into everything potentially. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, this whole thing has been just real, real strange, man. And you know how the virus got started, the, the, the fact that it could have come from this virology lab in Wuhan, but the media is still saying, Oh no, Oh no. Wet market, wet market, wet market didn't mm-hmm. come from a lab. We have evolutionary biologists telling us, Hey, this virus has all the signs pointing to that. It was fucked with by man. Um, in this lab and yeah, the it DNA not have strands, the little proteins, yeah. the proteins, right. And everything, it wouldn't have evolved this quickly, um, to be able to jump from animal to human. And, and then even more quickly, uh, to jump from human to human, that's a huge, huge jump, right? Evolutionary mm-hmm. jump. And it did it. And it, this virus did it very, very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, which means that, Hey, you know, it could, it, it could be the fact that they, they were working on this lab to try and prevent it and it got out and they just trying to say hush hush because they don't want to lose grant money and stuff for research or it could be that you know someone's someone has a fucking plan mm-hmm. and uh they're unleashing hell so yeah i mean a um, lot of people do something beforehand all the uh, the senators that pulled out stocks event 201 where they they ran the drill about what would happen you know, you got Bill Gates and several so, TED Talks. So tell me, tell me about, tell me about Event Two Hundred One. What's that? I'm not aware about that. Event, event Two Hundred One. Event Two Hundred One is I don't remember. Hell, look it up right now. Yeah, I don't remember the people it. involved, but they were like diplomatic people, senators, this and that, yada yada. And they sat at a round table, and it was videoed and put online. It's a uh, pandemic. Hey, hey look, Yo. look at where they held. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health and Security and Partnership. Event 201? <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. The Johns Hopkins <laughs> Center for Health and Security Partnership with World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation hosted a high-level pandemic exercise October 18th, 2019, and they ran through... Oh, hold on. Hey, 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 hey. Chihuahuas. Yeah, so where public and private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. It's just, hmm. we, you know, they, they sat at, look, you see that and, picture? There's like 20 people at the table. Literally, what was that, like a month or two months before the outbreak hit China? Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the, the larger pattern is that Every time a major event like this happens, there are drills being run beforehand. Like 9-11, they were running drills for towers hitting in, hitting into the thing. Um, you know, there's been some other drills too, but it's just, what are the odds? They're just covering all their bases. Let's let's cover the bases about a pandemic and see. And, and, and what's weird is that with event 201, where they're supposed to be talking about this possibility to prepare for it, no one was prepared. <clears throat> yeah, no, no shit. No, they they didn't have ma- they didn't even have masks, right? It was like weeks of like private companies making masks and selling online because the government didn't have shit. After all of these high level people that are the most expert in the fields 
giving talks upon talks for like years beforehand about the possibility of microbiomes taking over the world. It's that predictive programming, the conditioning, just like the rhetoric for anti-Muslim, anti-Islam before 9-11 to condition the mind to be like, those are bad people. And then when the attack happens, it's like, fuck, we're fucked. We got to go to war, bomb those motherfuckers. So it's the same thing here, this rhetoric that builds up and just conditions your mind and then it happens and then you're just on board with whatever comes out. Like all the anti-China rhetoric coming out right now is really dangerous because it's the same pattern as what was 9-11, the anti-Middle East. It's this rhetoric. They're trying to stoke a war with China. But yeah, basically back to Event 201, you know, a lot of people knew about this thing beforehand, but then there were senators that pulled out stocks and in January, in, in January, there's a record number of CEOs in American history in one month that stepped down from their companies. And all of this was happening at the same time, that, like a week before the lockdown, a week before everything crashed. So there's a lot of fuckery around coronavirus other than just the numbers that, you know, there's a lot of reports coming out right now of people that, didn't even get tested that got a positive result back because they waited too long at the hospital or they just couldn't get it or blah 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 and then they call them I back have, uh, i have two personal stories like that mm. um i won't say the name but um my one of my buddies down in new orleans um has a doctor very good friend like they are super close and uh since he's around it all day he's like right, let me just let me go and, and get let me go and get tested and see you know see if i have it um and went to go get to, went to a testing site long ass line long ass wait he's like i'm gonna just come back tomorrow deal with it later but he'd already signed in he gets a phone call the next day saying he had a positive result he's like Whoa. how the fuck i have a positive result i didn't even take the test my mother told me another story about her friend same situation went to a testing center. This is like two two weeks ago. So this is recent, right? And this is uh, at the time when which, cases are going up. Yeah. More cases, testing, more cases. It, right. The, the testing center, like, first of all, like, my mom had to go get tested recently because my, my aunt tested positive. And uh, so, and she's been staying with them. So, like, they they went around trying to find a place to get tested. And, like, it was a pain in the ass. Like, everywhere's too busy. They met their quotas for the day. It was hard to get fucking tested. So these testing centers are busy right now is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but anyway, this lady goes in to get tested, signs in, um, too long of a wait. She's like, I'll just deal with it tomorrow or come back later. And uh, sure enough, she gets a phone call next day. Hey, you, you know, you tested positive coronavirus. She never even fucking took a test. It's like, how are all, how is this, this happened? My mom and, and the other person I talked to, they don't know each other. They didn't like share the story with each other. But this shit is happening is what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I have two separate instances People that have that do not know each other at all telling the same fucking story. Mm -hmm. It's just there's definitely some fuckery going on there. Yeah, man. And what's really trippy is the person that makes that phone call. They're probably not a government plant. It's probably a person that that just you know is working right. like us. No ill intentions, right? They're just part of this the system getting grinded up in it. Yeah. So then connect it to the way Hitler achieved his end goal was like a 30 or 40 year long plan where he infiltrated science and literally the, the, the people that were going to school to be doctors and nurses those schools a lot of them were set up 
by Hitler. And they were basically just indoctrination schools. And these are regular people that are going because there's there's all this talk about diseases at that time. So the whole culture is like, oh, diseases and science, diseases and science, diseases and science. And then you got people graduating medical school that are like, yeah, it's all true. We just learned it in school. And now we can look back and know Hitler set up all that bullshit specifically so when it came time to round up Jews and bring them to concentration camps, it wasn't I, forever. I was like, how did German people just let them take them away and kill them? They had no idea it was a disease, just like coronavirus, you know, like he, he would just so come in the, and take the, he like, like the way he convinced them was that, uh, how, well, how, how did he convince them with that? Like tie that back together for me. He faked the medical institutions and he indoctrinated all of the students that graduated because one of their videos, um, I say one of them is probably multiple, but one of them that showed uh, x-rays destroying cancer cells, the x-rays were Nazis and the cancer cells were Jews. And that's what was that's what was in the institution to teach the students trying to become doctors. Wow. So they literally thought Jewish people were a disease on or that they were diseased people. I, I know, and kind of tying back to the skull and bones, I know eugenics plays a part in, in, in a lot of this stuff in, that we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, have, you, have you come across that, 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 uh, that thread, should I say, in this whole thing? The eugenics thread and the tie back to the skull and bones organization and no. Hitler. I, I didn't even know that America had an American eugenics society in the early 1900s. Whoa. A eugenics society? Let me read the definition for everyone listening, and for me, because I don't know exactly what eugenics means. The study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. So, like, controlling... So, think about eugenics of Germany at the time, right? The... What was the perfect person in Hitler's eyes, right? Yeah. Okay. Blonde hair, blue-eyed, white people. Yeah. Developed largely by Francis Galton as a method of improving the human race, it fell into disfavor only after the perversions of its doctrines by the Nazis. And that's yep. what Bill Gates is into, eugenics. He's a philanthropist. So, but You didn't know that we even had that. I didn't either, right, until I started researching it. A straight-up eugenics society. Yes. Like it doesn't get more obvious to people. Because you go look at go look it up online. It's there. Uh, I've stumbled across it looking in the skull and bones. But uh, we didn't hear learn about that in history. Right. I, I never heard anything about American eugenic society because we whitewashed that part of it. We didn't want it became dirty after World War Two. Like, well, fuck, we don't want to be associated with that. But mm -hmm. get this. The American eugenics uh, society is still in operation today mm -hmm. under a different name. The Bill uh, and Melinda Gates Foundation, probably, but it's under it's under a different name. Seriously, um, it, it's the, like all this stuff ties together, man. Mm -hmm. It's kind of been blowing my mind. And yeah, uh, said people think that this stuff just happened a long time ago. People were fucking dirty and evil back then, but it's not happening now. Everything, yeah, is, it was just the everything is as it, everything is as it seems now, right? As we see it on TV, right? And so it's all bullshit, man. Like, yeah. But what I was saying about Hitler was he he it was like a thirty or forty year game plan to basically fake science and indoctrinate the country into being afraid of diseases and being really wary. 
So when the time so that's came, that's why I was bringing up you. Sorry, that's why I was bringing up eugenics because it could have been tied into the fact that maybe he thought that you know Jewish people were would be bad for the eugenics program, right? They were right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kind of. I mean, basically, it just comes down to faking science so that the mass population goes along with it. So the fact exactly. that Hi the fact that Hitler faked science and had inst science institutions to put out bullshit to achieve his goals, which were, as we know, killing Jews by the millions. And then after World War II with Operation Paperclip, when we got like more than a hundred of those Nazis, they came to America. So it's almost like two businesses. One went out of business and this business got half of the employees and they took over their game plan. But that's America. So after World War II, the, the, the fake sugar science came out. The fake cigarette yeah. science came out. All this fake shit came out. And we're still living in that today with the, the, the science that comes from government institutions that at the end is just for them to achieve their goal, like climate change, all this. It's not so they can save the planet. It's so they can tax us and create a bigger divide between them and the poor. Because it's just going to help rich people pay their way through polluting. And then we're going to be fucked if they tax us. And they get people like AOC to come out with the Green New Deal that pushes this. And it's all horse shit science that comes from the... It's the same game plan as Hitler. So, like, just knowing how Hitler did it. And he, he had radio and TV before America. And he used celebrities to endorse his ideologies and promote it to the masses that don't pay attention politically. And that's the same thing here. You got pictures of Ellen with Bush. You've got pictures of Ellen getting an award from Obama, Tom Hanks. You know, it's a, it's an age old thing of the celebrities, the entertainment to infiltrate, to, to push these ideologies because every celebrity, I heard a really good point that in Hollywood, it's all about racial inequality, sexism, this and that. But, there's mm -hmm. nobody there's nobody more ostracized and kept from opportunity than somebody that is right wing way it's more true. than somebody who's gay or black it's true you know they don't really necessarily practice what they preach right mm -hmm. they're not this all accepting society that's better than everybody else because they accept everyone no if you're a conservative in hollywood <laughs> You're a fuck. What are those like? It, so Chris Pratt, he's a conservative actor, but like he does, he gets hate on a lot, right? Um, just because of that fact. And uh, there, you know, anyone who tries, it, the point I'm making is like anyone who tries to to make that stand and, and that conservative stand is they don't really stand a chance in Hollywood. Yeah, he's like the only conservative I can think of in Hollywood. Yeah. But that's yeah. just going along with that. What I was saying about Hitler and his long game plan of how he achieved what he achieved was using celebrities and faking science. And that's exactly where we're at now is celebrities constant, like Alyssa Milano, Asia Argento was like spearheading. So what you, What's up? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So, so what do you think? What do you think is coming down the pipe this, with, with this coronavirus stuff? Dude, I don't even know, man. It's just continuing to peak and peak. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I, I know, know that's that's kind of that's kind of the game, though, huh? This whole thing is trying to figure out what's their next move. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think what's coming down the pipe is the vaccines. <laughs> well, they, I saw on, yesterday on on the on the news um, that uh, apparently it's it's reaching like one of the final stages of trials. Mm-hmm. So and Donald Trump close. is pushing Very it, close. and that's really yeah. weird because the the conspiracy theorists, the real ones, are in the center searching for the truth, but. Yeah. What's happening with Trump? Do, are you familiar with QAnon? Yes. Yeah. Very so, much so. Yeah, so QAnon is like so brilliant because it started off sprinkling these real things. And it got yes. people paying attention like, dude, whoever this person is, this is it. And then it keeps going and going until all these people and then Trump starts to push it. So then all the conspiracy theorists jump on the Trump bandwagon. And then Trump stabs him in the back by pushing the vaccines and by allowing for these police. So you got the left who wants vaccines and police control. You got the left who, who, um, what was the other thing? I, but then you got the right who doesn't want it, but is supporting the guy who's ushering it in. So both sides are being played. And it's so freaking brilliant the way that the, the truth, the search for the truth is now associated with Trump and he's ushering in vaccines, which is the complete opposite of what these people want. Like somebody, I don't support Trump, but it's some, for example, somebody like me would be like, yeah, Trump. And then like, wait, vaccines? Yeah. It's like, yeah, Trump's like, wait, you're not stopping the secret police in Portland from throwing people in vans? It's like, yeah, Trump, but you renewed the Patriot Act. It's like all yeah, this. You, you notice QAnon, the QAnons have been qu- quiet about the fucking secret police in Portland. Huh? Yeah, man. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Why haven't they, I haven't seen any QAnon posts talking about that shit? Twitter uh, just banned everything. Banned yeah. yeah, I saw that. I was like, holy shit. I yeah. said, that's going to stoke, that's going to stoke their fucking fire for sure. Yeah, man. Um, you got to like, people got to understand that these. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and is run by Google, and Google is brilliant because the internet was open platform until Google came along, and now everyone uses Google. They don't even use the internet; they use Google. So they yeah, they, I try I try using DuckDuckGo, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I use it. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie; it's fucking not as good as Google, though. That's where Google's got you. Yeah, they they got everything. They're they're in charge of everything. So they have been able to capitalize the internet. So like all this censorship and and since so they're censoring uh they're banning QAnon for exposing pedophilia but allowing other pages that are pedophilic. They they it's it's a double standard. It's it's not across the board. It's directly connected with the narrative that the system is pushing and it'll just change like that. And people like don't pay attention. It's, yeah. it's so weird. It's yeah, so weird it's, how it's, obvious everything is. And just well, it's just it's it's obvious to me when when they are putting the spin on this shit, you know. Like, what do you mean the spin? The spin. There's always a spin. Like in the mainstream media, there's always a spin they put on it. Like, uh, for example, um, so you know Judge Judge Salas, right? That that took over the the case of uh uncovering like uh the ties for epstein's um finances right yeah they killed Uh, she got got, they you know a gunman shows up at her fucking house and kills 
uh, her son and shoots her husband and then kills himself, which yeah. is pretty fucking suspect. Kills himself. And then the, and then the media is like, uh, oh, he was an anti-feminist attorney that she had in the case like, several years ago. Yeah. So they immediately put a motive on it. He's an anti-feminist, so he's a fucking woman hater, right? Um, and a man's rights activist or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and, they, and they haven't really said anything about it yet, but it's like they're already putting the fucking spin on it, right? And you know, I was talking to Tiffany about that, too, the other day, and she was uh, she was kind of siding with the media. I'm like, are you fucking insane? Like, I don't care what the fuck they say. That Like, that, that's it's just too obvious to me. Like, right? She gets assigned this case four days ago or five days ago or whatever it is, and then you have a gunman show up to kill to try and kill you over a case that they had a couple of years ago or a year ago like why what how why is that timeline lining up so perfectly right it's like mm-hmm. anyway yeah, I mean, that's what you, i mean by the spin that's what i mean by the spin like they already put the spin on it you know um, it's really odd that just some that. some ignorant racist misogynist knows how to track down a judge that's on high profile cases I mean, what does yes. he do? I mean, those people, people like that, they don't know how to use phones, much less track somebody down. Yeah. They don't, they don't even know how to like. What well, is this guy sh- was an attorney, so I'll give him that. Oh, he like, was? He, you know, okay. he had yeah, enough just, intelligence to like make it through law school or whatever. But he was an, that was a thing. He was an anti-feminist attorney that she had, uh, you know, judged on a case of his several years ago. Mm-hmm. So I apparently just, that's that's him. He's an asshole. The, the spin is he's an asshole, right? Because he's an, a woman hater. Um, and he has a motive because of a case that he, she ruled on a couple of years ago. So now they can just shut it down mm-hmm. as, uh, as nothing to see here. Yep, exactly. And it works. It's so, <laughs> it's so wild. And then if you come out talking about the conspiracies, the people, um, and I don't want to lump Tiffany up, but just as an example, the people who do believe the media, they'll lump you up as like a Trump supporter or like a right wing. Like like my friend, I was talking to him about the mask. And I was like, I don't think the virus is fake, but I'm not really about the mask and stuff. Wait, wait, that's not not how the conversation went. He basically lumped up anti-maskers as alt-right. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's like if you have an opinion about something that has a little bit of a which everything now does, but has a little bit of a political uh, implication to it, like you get immediately lumped, thrown in one bucket or the other, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the religious aspect, because I felt the same when I was coming up in church. If somebody like wasn't Christian enough or if they said a bad word, I would like lump them up. You know what I mean? It was like on or off. There's no gray area. You, you're a Christian, you're good, or you're not. And it's the same with these conspiracies or the search for truth. It's like you say one little thing and the, uh, uh, you know. Now, they, well, now like, you know if you're, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're automatically a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. right? Or, and the conspiracy theorist is a bad word that was invented by the fucking CIA. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it all come. I, I noticed that the conspiracy like you can talk about 9-11 and get lumped up and i think that comes from alex jones because alex was right about a lot of stuff he was the spearhead of the truther movement for like a decade since 9-11 20 years or something yeah but he went off the rails with the sandy hook thing 
And this is where it gets interesting because he was saying it's actors, crisis actors, it's all fake. So then that makes mainstream news. And then everybody hears about it for the first time, the conspiracy about it being fake, from the news slandering Alex Jones. They don't know the other side, B, that's A. B is... If something is a false flag, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. People died in Sandy Hook. But the eyewitness accounts, I I believe I'm thinking of the right one, the eyewitness accounts are like seeing men in military fatigues that are corroborated. So if you talk about Sandy Hook, the conspiracy, people go, oh, you think it's all fake because Alex Jones. It's like, no, I don't even listen to Alex Jones, and it wasn't fake. People died. That's how much they don't give a fuck. And they have to kill people. People have to die for people to to be like, you know what, we need to take away gun rights. And they were trying to take away yeah. gun rights for like two years with no more shootings right now, right? No more shootings. All the races just got rid of their guns. No more shootings. So those shootings yeah, were happening weird. for like Yeah, weird. they were happening for like two or three years and every time take away the gun rights, it was a racist Trump supporter. Take away the gun rights, it was a racist Trump supporter. And why? It makes sense because they don't want us to have guns right now when the law is cracking down. So like yeah. in that bigger picture, in that Adolf Hitler long term game plan of establishment controlled bullshit, it all makes sense that it's all leading up to this attempt for global control and to you know all that horse shit yeah oh that's I how mean, it's kind of crazy i was talking about the the conspiracy is how it gets lumped up with trump with with alex jones people lump that up with alex jones and alex jones is trump and then if you talk it just the media does a brilliant job of politicizing it yeah Everything, that's why, I man, it's so frustrating that everything's a fucking political thing. Mask or no mask. Coronavirus, like whether you believe it came from a lab or didn't, you know, that throws you into a political bucket. Um, yeah. It's like stupid shit that should not even be political. It's yeah. politicized. Yeah. And I'm okay climate with the masks. Change, climate change. <laughs> political. You know? Political. Political. It's like. And it's wild you know, because. It should be. None of it should all be. Go ahead. Based on science and solutions, right? Figuring out that we have a fucking problem, let's work together to fix it. It should be and all the scientists, not just the ones allowed by the establishment, and all the ones that go against the establishment narrative are censored and they're not allowed. They get banned. Their YouTube videos get demonetized and de-algorithmed and 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 shut off. But then the the leftists who are pushing all this horse shit, you know, promoting, like the celebrities that came out and said. Anybody who gets arrested during the protest will bail you out. Like, what the? How are they allowed to do that? Because you're just allowing people to go destroy businesses and then get out for free. And it's this really backwards mentality. Yeah, that, that's Anyways. insane. They've had celebrities coming out saying that, like, we'll bail you out if you get. If you um, Pat Noswald, I, I think Steve Carell. There's a couple other ones. Could be wrong about Steve Carell, but yeah, celebrities were coming out saying, "I'm putting up fifty or a hundred thousand. Anybody that gets arrested, this is going to go to the bailout fund." And it's like these celebrities are contributing to the allowance of extreme leftists to go out and destroy businesses. That's so fucked up, bro. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this. 
the, it's not like the people who own those businesses are the ones who are part of the, the fucking power structure. You're out there fucking protesting. Yeah. Like why the fuck, why the fuck would you, why would you encourage something like that? Yeah. Know? You're yeah. just hurting the people in that, in that city. You're hurting the people that, that, that are probably part of the fucking protest. I probably want, you know, police reform. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. So, uh, I guess to kind of tie it all back together to, to Skull and Bones, right? So, who who do you... I, I don't know this answer. I'm asking you because I, I hope you know. Um, who do we have in our current power structure, uh, whether it be heads of medical centers, lawyers, judges, people who are political, uh, like president, uh, part of the presidential cabinet, who who do we have right now that, that do you know that's that's a former bonesman in our current system? Active, active, and the reason I'm asking is we have all this shit going on, and and if you go and look at the skull and bones history, they have their fucking tentacles on just about every world event that's shaped history in the past hundred fifty years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering, like. I'm sure we have some influence, influential bonesmen that are up in the current power structure right now, um, but, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, think, I guess we should also tell people a big reason we know like who the bonesmen are that we've talked about so far in the past is because of a leak that happened in 1970 um, by this reporter who wrote like one of the first books on the bonesman. I think the reporter's last name was Sutton, if I remember correctly, Andrew mm-hmm. Sutton or something along those lines. Uh, but he ended up uh, obtaining a copy of a list of all the bonesmen in the past. So I don't know like if it's public knowledge now, whenever people get select, get tapped to be a bonesman going forward since that point. Uh, Cause you know that like George Bush and John Kerry and, and mm-hmm. um, they were, they were, they were both bonesmen and they're fairly yeah. recent that after that 1970 leak. So um, that's why I'm asking that question. I was just kind of wondering, do we have people kind of at the top pulling the strings who have ties to this really uh, cryptic, almost evil, nefarious-sounding secret society? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I don't know. But my first thought is there's – and I know this. I don't know the names, but there are current – powerful people that graduated from Yale and from these colleges. So I don't know if Skull and Bones is still officially active because like UFOs, when people caught on to that, they changed it to UAP, like unidentified aerial phenomena, and they change mm-hmm. it. So when you search it, you just reach a dead end and it looks like it ended in the 70s type thing. But it's still yeah, going yeah. on under different names. So I, I, I don't know. I would love to know. That's a great question. But I think anybody that graduates from those colleges and then gets these positions of power in politics and then they start spitting, you know, the same narratives of the right or the left, I'd, I'd just lump them up as bought yeah, out. Part but, of the, yeah, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, it's just weird how colleges and medical institutions are used to to pick the people that, that they've been grooming but I would say George Bush is the most recent that I know of. That's definitely Skull and Bones, that motherfucker. Who had ties to the CIA, which is all, which is fascinating as well. Like the intelligence community, 
CIA in particular, they really like to pick their people from uh, from the skull and bones. Mm-hmm. Um, from from what I'm seeing, so uh, yeah. I think that's that, that's interesting because they can they can operate under the radar. They can operate almost as like their own entity, right? Under mm-hmm. the guise of national security, right? You can't mm-hmm. really ask questions. Uh, they have this this protection from uh, from us being able to see their budget and what their operations are as as a as a society. So um, I think that's where a lot of their a lot of the skull and bones power probably lies and lied in the past. Uh, um, and it could be kind of what's driving some of this narrative that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I want to dig into the Ford Foundation eventually because knowing that those Bundy brothers came out and joined John Hopkins and the Ford Foundation, came the presidents and CEOs of it, it's like, dude. Not have to be in the next episode or yeah. another episode. Read up on that some more. Yeah. Like, this one was more, I was just like, I guess we kind of touched on a bunch of uh, little conspiracies here and there, not really dug too deep because, uh, you know, I really need to read up more on, on uh, on yeah. a lot of these things. Well, I it's got so more. I seen that the skull and bones like had that many ties. Like when you, and that's the first thing I really started researching. I was like, holy shit, this goes deep. These people are powerful. They are mm-hmm. tied to a lot of shit. And I was reading like they even, you know, get tied into Watergate, uh, JFK assassination. Um, all these major historical yeah. events all have ties to bones. Man. George, 9-11, George Bush. 9-11, George Bush, yeah. Yeah. George Bush, yeah. Um, uh, hey, uh, I need a pee and get coffee. Can you tell the viewers where to find Death the Skepsis? I won't be long. Sure. All right. So if you want to check out some um, some metal, uh, you can find Death the Skepsis on Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, we should have an album recorded there called By My Hands. Um, just a little shameless plug for myself. If you are into death metal, uh, you can also check out my current band, Golgothan, spelled G-O-L-G-O-T-H-N. And uh, you will find uh, some fun stuff there. We have plenty of music videos you can check out. Uh, we're kind of like a, uh, we like to call ourselves B-Horror Death Metal. So if you ever come to one of our shows, you'll see it's very theatrical, but super silly. We dress up and, and do fun shit on stage. But uh yeah, so if you're in the meadow, go check that out. And, and hopefully Dylan is almost done because it's weird talking to yourself. And he's ah, back. Refreshing. Just in time. I don't do that shit to me again. I can't. I, I don't like talking to myself. Oh, my bad, dude. I, I had to pee, man. And I, I still got a lot more information to go through, like another hour's worth. You want to keep going? Uh, yeah, we, well, we can keep going for probably about 30 more minutes. All right. I'll try to get through it. Hey, so the Russells. Yeah. So the founders, Mm -hmm. the, the, the Russells worked, uh, majorly with John Cleve Green, who financed Princeton, as well as ABL Lowe, who financed the construction of Princeton. Samuel Russell worked with the Forbes family and the Sturges family. Sturges? Is there a connection with Sturges, the biker rally? Like, what the frick, dude? Oh, bro. Sturges is... <laughs> I think Sturges is a, a town. A location, brother. <laughs> That's like... Oh, uh, is it a location? 
The yeah. Sturgis family. Oh, okay. Well. Oh well. And, and oh yeah, I have it right here. Interesting that a major biker rally is named Sturgis. It is interesting though. I wonder if like that's a thing. Um. Might be. Joseph Coolidge. He also Samuel Russell worked with Joseph Coolidge, whose grandson Archibald formed the Council of Foreign Relations, which is a major part of politics. They kind of decide what happens globally about stuff. Again, the Skull CFR. and Bones. Yeah, the CFR. Would you imagine that Skull and that CFR was like uh, you know Skull and Bones connected like that? Maybe it's not. I might be reading into it. No, Samuel it Russell worked with Coolidge, whose grandson formed the CFR. It's just weird, all these evil people, this evil network. So now we're getting into William Russell. He was in Germany in 1831, 1832. The Hegelian philosophy was very popular during this time. Uh, William Russell was in Germany. William Russell formed the Senior Society with Alfonso Taft. After returning to Yale in 1832, William Russell was in Germany the summer before his senior year at Yale, in which he formed a close relationship with the leading member of a German society, unnamed. From this figure, he brought back to Yale in 1832 authority to found a chapter there. William Russell was class valedictorian this year, and along with 14 others from his class, formed the Order of Skull and Bones, S-C-U-L-L, later S-K. In 1876, information acquired from breaking into the Skull and Bones meeting hall, also called the tomb, revealed that Skull and Bones is a chapter of a core in German university. See, I did read that, that he yeah. got the inspiration from for Skull and Bones from his from his trip while he was in Germany. Well, he got, he was, a, I wouldn't and, call and, it inspiration. He was given well, authority to found authority the chapter to, yeah. when he returned. But so, he, but the whole macabre, like the the, I guess I read from a different source, kind of the whole uh, like aesthetic of death and skull and bones and the macabre nature of it all, uh, apparently was a big thing in Germany at that time. So uh, I read he drew a lot of the inspiration for like the name and the um, the, the name of like the uh, organization and the decorations that. That you have. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the inside of it, but every, they have a bunch of skulls everywhere and like uh, it's all death. The velvet, right? The velvet pentagrams. Yeah, so it's all very death Um He drew a lot of inspiration from, from that trip, but was also given the authority to form the chapter from that unknown source as well. And what's weird is all this occultic stuff is just like saturated, but at the same time, the occultic conspiracies get mocked and laughed at. And I don't understand how you could have something like Bohemian Grove. I was just thinking Bohemian Grove, they all dress up. The owl is Moloch. It's all occultic. Like, how are they doing this? They don't, like the liberals, they wake up to like a white guy that made a cheap joke on a podcast, but they don't wake up to the politicians they vote for that are performing occultic rituals every year. That's yeah. bullshit. So weird. Yeah. That's what it blows my mind. I think about that all day. I'm like, how do people not? How it's do people? Fucking weird, man. Yeah, it's not mockable. So basically, um, 
The Hegelian philosophy lives on through elite members of the secret society. Every member who eventually comes through Skull and Bones lives by this philosophy, which is mainly the reason their goal is propaganda, disinformation, division of the state, all in order to erode civil liberties and take more control. America is a free country, so it takes time to accomplish these things. Those are my words, summing that up. So moving on. Yeah, we talked about every year they tap 15 juniors. William Russell became the state and general legislator in Connecticut, while Alfonso Taft went on to become Secretary of War, U.S. General Attorney, Ambassador to Austria, and Ambassador to Russia. Many bonesmen have held the position of Ambassador to Russia and Secretary of War. What would privilege... Ambassador to Russia right now. That's what I want to know. I bet he's a fucking bonesman. Mm, yeah, Exactly. Um, Sorry. My, my question Keep is, going. what what would privileged, groomed, and selected individuals have to contribute to the consequential intricacies of war? That was my question. What the fuck are they doing at the war table? So a yeah. list of names that come out of Skull and Bones include Lovett, Bush, Vanderbilt, Kellogg, who made cereal to stop men from masturbating because the science at the time was showing that meat yes. increased testosterone. <laughs> So he wanted people on a sugar diet because they knew at the time the effects diet had on your body. And that's all the fake sugar science and how fat is bad. All that fake science that came in and fucked up people's health. And we're still fighting through it today. You try, I, try, I tell people to eat the yolk of an egg. They bring yeah, vegetables. That's too much fat. Yeah. They, they're, they're, dude, they're, they're pouring vegetable oil in a pan and frying up eggs and, and trying to get the yolk out. It's like, dude. Huh? Anyway, Kellogg, Pillsbury, don't eat the biscuits, mind control biscuits, <laughs> Perkins, Phelps, you know, Michael Phelps. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't think Michael Phelps. <laughs> Stimson, Sloan, Goodyear, Rockefeller, Pincho. Yeah, dude. Weyerhaeuser, Harriman, Bundy, J. Taft, Whitney, and Lord. Uh, definitely not buying Pillsbury anymore. No, I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> so there was a high level of secrecy surrounding Skull and Bones. Some professors were in disagreement over the secrecy, and many students were not fond of the favoritism shown to Bonesmen. Skull and Bones seemed to be a dark hand at work in the underground and still is. Press was off limits to anyone who wanted to interview about Skull and Bones. Therefore, alternate publications were required for those who wish to speak out about it. We're living in that world now, except they can censor those publications. Everybody uses social media. They're censoring it. So they found out a way to like, that's still going on, the alternate publications that are required to talk about it. And my, people I know, when I, when I say I listen to podcasts, they think I get my information from Logan Paul or something. Respect to Logan Paul, yeah. but I'm just saying they think it's, they yeah. don't realize, they, people still don't realize the alternate publications are where the truth is. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because like really, most people live in in like three mediums, maybe four mediums of, of communication with the rest of the world: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and maybe if you're younger, Snapchat, right? Or and, you know, TikTok's a new thing, but that's more of a media platform than anything else. And we could probably do a whole podcast on TikTok and and the yeah. <clears throat> entanglement of, of the chinese government and their corporations but uh yeah but yeah so that's that's long story that's what people are using right now technology i work i work for a technology company i know uh 
you know, no one's going to any other source for their information. So, yeah. uh, like you're saying, if, if, if these companies want to silence people, um, and 99% of the population is going to these sources for their, for, uh, educating themselves and their information, then, you know, uh, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. You know? And what do you do? Like, what so do you do? Alex Jones, what do you do? Yeah. What I do mean, you do? He is a big name. He has a huge name, so he, he could drive people to his website. But like, bro, if you're trying to get truth out there, and they don't want you to be heard. They can easily shut your shit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, what did you just now say that reminded me? Um, fuck, TikTok, Google, the entanglement oh, of a uh, corporation. It was right you know, before that. Government. It was right before that. Oh, it's so close. It's basically, saying that. People only have four Facebook. lanes to, to, yeah. Facebook. The CIA had a program called LifeLog that they were trying to collect everybody's data. Do you know about that? Mm-mm. They were no. trying to collect everybody's data. They wanted information <laughs> on everybody. It was a CIA program, LifeLog. The day LifeLog went out, two, February 11th, 2004, I believe it was, was the day Facebook was made. Oh, I got to look this shit. LifeLog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Double check it. I'm pretty sure this is correct. And this and Facebook got seed money from the CIA. LifeLog was a project of the information processing techniques of the Defense Advanced Research DARPA of the U.S. Department of Defense. Um, it was an ontology-based subsystem that captures, stores, and makes accessible the flow of one person's experience and in, in interactions with the world in order to support a broad spectrum of associates and assistants and other system capabilities. Basically, Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, Facebook. So, yeah, it's weird. People think Mark Zuckerberg was just some guy in college pecking away at his, at his uh, passion project, and then he got rich. It's like... He he took the idea from another guy, and then the CIA came in and funded it, and now he's like a robot. But anyway. Looks like a fucking robot. The objective of LifeLog concept was to be able to trace the threads of an individual's life in terms of events, states, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And people get on Facebook, and they're like, this is the argument I hear, and I heard it from somebody personally. It was like, well, they're a private company. They can censor whoever they want. And it's like, well, I mean, that's fair, but they're not a private company because the prince of Saudi Arabia owns a large amount of stocks, percentage in the stocks. The government is controlling the algorithms. And if that is the argument, like, well— somebody gets censored like Alex Jones, they can just go to another platform. It's like, how about the people that are on the receiving end of this truth information? How about they go to another platform if they can't get harassed? Why doesn't the standard go both ways? So weird yeah, to me. Yeah. Oh, it's a private company. They can do what they want. It's like, it's it's not, man. People don't understand the government's role in these private companies. So moving on, cover what we kind of covered. Official meeting place called The Tomb was constructed in 1856. Brownstone construction with no windows, covered in vines. A group called the Order of File and Claw broke into the tomb. On September 29, 1876, they found Lodge Room 324 covered top to bottom in black velvet. The Sanctum Sanctatorium was found upstairs in room 322. It was covered in red velvet with the pentagram on the wall. Yeah, but let's keep making fun of the occultic conspiracies. Nothing to see here. In the hall are pictures of founders of Skull and Bones and also members of the German society of which the foundation of Skull and Bones was built. File and Claw found another 
secret room next to 322. From the fall of skull and bones, in quotes, on the west wall hung, among other pictures, an old engraving representing an open burial vault in which, on a stone slab, rest four human skulls grouped about a fool's cap and bells, an open book, several mathematical instruments, a beggar's scrip, and a royal crown. On the arched wall above the vault are the explanatory words in Roman letters, We war Dorthor, war wiser, war betler odor, kaiser, meaning who was the fool, who the wise man, beggar, or king. Oh, and below the vault, in, in German characters, below the vault is the sentence, Ab arm, ab bike, in tode gleich, meaning whether poor or rich, all's the same in death, like you just said. So Skull and Bones, I think this is me speculating. Skull and Bones was never an American thing. It was just the organization formed over a dis Oh, this is a this is what Wikipedia says about Skull and Bones. After mm, we covered all this this is what you'll find if you go to Wikipedia. It was an organization formed over a disagreement between fraternities, a secret society that was formed out of the basis wait, wait, wait. I didn't read that in Wikipedia. That's where we went first, was Wikipedia. And started doing my own. Oh, yeah. So this isn't where it says that. None of these power politicians. Okay. Moving on. Okay, so this is where it gets interesting. How much more time do you got? Because I think this will take like, ooh, it's kind of a lot. Another 20 minutes. Yeah, we can do it. Fucking. So Timothy Dwight, president, I got a little bit of lag. Wait, wait, wait. I went too far. I went too far. I went too far. So three men, Daniel Gilman, Timothy Dwight, and Andrew Dickinson White, studied philosophy in Europe at University of Berlin. Gilman returned from Europe, incorporation, incorporated Skull and Bones as Russell Trust with himself as treasurer and William Russell as president. So that's when it became official. This was 1856, the year the tomb was built. Gil Gilman was appointed Yale Librarian in 1858, acquired funding for the science departments at Yale, and was ultimately able to form the Land-Grant College Act, which was originally the Morrill Land Bill that he had introduced to Congress. This gets interesting. With the help of Abe Lincoln himself, this bill is responsible for donating public lands to state college for agricultural and scientific purposes. So they use it to swallow up land, dude. Yale was the first school in America what? to get this. Yeah, dude. Yale was the first school in America to get this kind of federal land script and swallowed up all of Connecticut's public land at the time. Gilman became professor of physical geography after this acquisition. Andrew White so, was. Wait, 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 wait. So how, I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop. We're going to keep going on this. But so universities are not considered a public institution, right? They're private institutions, correct? Yes, I'm like 99% sure. Yeah. And so how the fuck can, what, which I guess you just explained it, it's, it's crazy. So they, they allow them to basically acquire public land that we pay for as a public for, for their usage as a private institution. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it was anyway. Land Grant College yeah. Act. The Land-Grant College Act, which was originally the Morrill Land Bill that Gilman introduced to Congress with the help of Abe Lincoln himself. That bill was responsible. And, it, and, and there's more. 
Andrew White was the first president of Cornell University and through the Land Grant College Act swallowed up New York's public lands. White was minister to Russia, U.S. ambassador to Berlin, and first president of the American Historical Association. Wow, they really cover a large spread. Renaissance men, aren't they? So in 1899, White was chairman of the American delegation to the first Hague Conference, H-A-G-U-E. This is what I looked up because I was like, I know the Hague Conference. Let's check this out. It is the, quote, world organization of cross-border cooperation in civil and commercial matters. Whatever that means. Sounds like, le- this is me, sounds like legalese to justify global authoritative action with matters they deem fit or necessary. Globalization, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting how our education goes back to German communistic philosophies. Our history association was jump-started by one of these corrupt members. And the first seedlings of a global authority are directly connected to these people, specifically Andrew White. According to Wikipedia, Skull and Bones was founded in 1832 after a dispute over debating societies Lenonia, Brothers in Unity, and the Calopian Society. That season's, uh, that season's Pi Beta Kappa Awards. They had a, di- a, a disagreement over the awards, and that's where mm-hmm. Skull and Bones came from. So stupid. They also make sure to state that Skull and Bones has become a cultural institution known for its powerful alumni and various conspiracy series. That's Wikipedia. I, I saw that. I saw. I saw that. So I'm just gonna keep running through this. So the yeah, third guy, yeah. the third guy, Timothy Dwight, he was president of Yale Divinity School, um, and the Divinity School I think was in Germany. It was a Yale Divinity School, and that came here. Became president of Yale in 1886. All presidents of Yale since then have been Bonesmen. Daniel Gilman, Andrew White, and Timothy Dwight are responsible for the founding of the American Economic Association, American Chemical Society, and the American Psychological, Psychological Association. Mental illness, so, pills. Economics, so economics. What was the other ones? Economic, Chemical, and Psychological Associations. Wow. Really, really weird, huh? Economic, yeah. you study the people and how they work in this market. Chemical society, you come up with pills, and I'm just speculating. You come up with pills yeah. to to treat the people that you deem are are crazy. So the American uh, American philosophers Horace Mann and John Dewey were major influences over these these men at the time. So those two guys are like the American version of John Locke and John Rousseau. They were naturalists in America. So that same game plan came here. John Dewey, American philosopher, studied at John Hopkins University, of which Gilman was the first president. Dewey was influential in education and social reform in American society. Horace Mann, known for his promotion of public schools, arguing that universal public education was the best way to turn unruly American children into disciplined, judicious Republican citizens. Promoting these philosophies in America just like in Prussia. Uh, interesting how the public school system is all about designing the perfect citizen, not educating and empowering individualism and free thought. That's what my thought was at the end of that. So later later came a man named Henry Stimson, 1888, appointed by William Howard Taft as Secretary of War in 1911. Later becoming Herbert Hoover's Secretary of State in 1929, Coolidge's Governor General, Governor General of the Philippines in 1928, and also Secretary of War for Roosevelt and Truman. Stimson high. So this is this is towards the end. I'm getting towards the end, but this is where it gets interesting. 
So Stimson hired Harvey Hollister Bundy in 1909 as his personal assistant. The same year, Bundy was inducted into the Skull and Bones. Harvey Hollister Bundy played a role in the Manhattan Project, helping to develop the atomic bomb. These were his duties in the Pentagon under the employment of Henry Stimson. He was like his runner guy. Uh, Henry Stimson had the William Bundy given him information from the the project. I don't know the details and what it means, but that there's that connection yeah. with the Manhattan Project. So the Bundy's two sons, William and McGeorge, is that right, McGeorge or George? Um, also, Bonesmen of 1939 and 40, respectively, were high-level government associates as well. Um, personal assistance to Kennedy and Johnson in working from positions in the CIA, Department of State, and Department of Defense, these two men played major roles in the dissemination of information on the Vietnam War. It is well known that media propaganda was a major tool for buffering the truth between war and American citizens. That's key to perpetuating wars. So the Council of Foreign Affairs hired William Bundy as the editor to their quarterly magazine, Foreign Affairs, which was a big publication at the time. So that's where a lot of the information was coming out. He was in charge of it. Um, McGeorge became the president of the Ford Foundation of Social Justice. That's what we were just talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. McGeorge Bundy became the president of the Ford Foundation. Go to the website. It's beautiful. It'll it'll make Uh, your heart feel warm. have it pulled up right now. It'll make your heart full warm. You'll want to save the world. It's so brilliant, man. It's so brilliant. Um, the identity politics war, the fight for trans rights, and the court's ruling in favor of irrational science seems to me like a Bundy-style disinformation campaign still happening in front of our eyes, and yet people don't even see it. Skull and bones again. Um, so, two brothers... Averill and Roland Harriman became part of an interesting web. These two brothers were active in the Skull and Bones. The younger brother, Roland, from the class of 1917, and his older brother, Averill, of the class of 1913, ran Harriman Brothers and Company, an investment firm in New York City. They teamed up with Brown Brothers together with Roland as the vice president. It started with nine members, one of which was George Prescott Bush. Here's what Wikipedia won't tell you. Guarantee Trust, along with Brown Brothers Harriman, financed communism and Hitler's regime. Also a philanthropist donating sums of money to the New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center, the hospital where him and his wife set up the Irving Sherwood Wright professorship in geriatrics. So philanthropy is a, is a thing that people go into. They call it philanthropy, much like Bill Gates. They're philanthropists. It's like all these guys, they get to the top, they're rich, and they just philanthropy. I'm over here doing good stuff. So after the World War II in 47, Roland Harriman joined the American Red Cross as a member of the Board of Governors. Was also on the board of the American National History Museum. And I speculate here, it's crazy how the figures are connected to so many things that seem unrelatable. All the while they have their dark hand in state establishments that provide us with information, official information, the only accepted information. So I speculate, I speculate... That's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm speculating here in the in what I'm reading, so I'll skip that. So through financial and strategic aid from the Bonesmen and other allies, Lenin was able to prevail with the Bolshevik Revolution, while his older brother, Averill, was responsible for physically – not Lenin's older brother. The guy's older, older brother was 
Averill was responsible for physically shipping in factories and even nuclear secrets, plutonium and U.S. dollar printing plates. Why, who, what for remains to be seen. 1932. Let me read that again. Uh, This is stuff I don't know what it means. It's just facts that are there to look into for the listeners, but super suspicious. Lenin prevailed with the Bolshevik Revolution. Averill was responsible for physically shipping in factories and even nuclear secrets, plutonium, and U.S. dollar printing plates. I don't know what that means, but I thought he was supposed to be busy with the National History Museum. Yeah. 1932, four men from the 1917 Skull and Bones were enlisted to the Union Banking Corporation of New York City along with two other Nazi bankers that had worked with Fritz Tyson, the man George Prescott Bush ran a bank with. And that starts to get into the modern times of how George Prescott Bush was working with Fritz Tyson, a major Nazi banker, and they were funding Hitler. and They were creating our enemy, basically, which the CIA does with Al-Qaeda and ISIS. This is pre-CIA, pre-OSS. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think I'd actually get getting into that in the next paragraph, and then it's like almost over. I actually kind of have a lot, but not really. Skull and Bones, Harriman Brothers, Lenin's Success, Bush's Nazi Bank, Adolf Hitler, Communism, and the like, the six degrees of Skull and Bones. So the COI, Coordinator of Information, was created in 1941 by FDR with William Donovan at its helm. This was a response to wars in the 30s that saw fascism and communism threaten its spread to America. Intelligence was normally left up to certain agencies that dealt with matters overseas, but FDR needed a new plan during these times. The FBI, the G2, and various war agencies didn't trust Donovan and the COI. Mm-hmm. The Joint Chiefs. So this is there. This is where they take all the intelligence. They're like, hey, we need to make this centralized because this yeah. fragmented intelligence program we have working is not working at all. Yeah, so like, what we're going to do is we're going to take it and everything has to funnel to one source. All of our foreign intelligence, correct? Yeah. Kind of what, what they were doing with this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like trying to get control. And like you said, the Joint Chief of Staff shared this distrust but believed they could rein in Donovan under their control. Donovan surprisingly agreed and working with Brigadier General Walter B. Smith, the COI joined with the JCS, Joint Chiefs of Staff. This was good because it allowed Donovan and an agency to remain autonomous while gaining access to military support and resources. President Mm -hmm. Roosevelt wanted to keep the COI foreign information services from the military. He gave FIS half of the official business, as well as half of COI staff, COI, and sent the business to the new Office of War Information. This is kind of confusing, but the remainder of COI became the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, prominently bonded. Yeah, the prominently bonded. the CIA. Yeah. Yeah. So it was... Unofficial. It was so much bonesman in the OSS that the unofficial song was uh, of the Skull and Bones was the Whiffenpoof song. OSS's main function was intelligence gathering during World War II. The Lovett Committee, founded in 1945 by Secretary of War Robert Pattinson, with Robert Lovett as chairman. Lovett Committee created to advise the government on the post World War II organization of U.S. intelligence. This new agency would consult with armed forces in the field of espionage and counter-espionage. 
This new agency would be granted its own budget, be granted appropriations by Congress without a public hearing. In 1945, we don't know what kind of funding they're, they're getting. Oh, yeah. They're getting all the funding. In 1945, Lovett appeared before the Secretaries of War, Secretary of State, and Secretary of Navy. He pressed for a virtual resumption of the wartime Office of Strategies Service, the OSS. The CIA established in 1947 under Robert Lovett. The CIA was the OSS, which was the COI. The OSS was taken lead over by the Judiciary Chiefs of Staff and allowed it to continue in secrecy. It continued in secrecy until becoming the CIA. The most secreted of all secrets. And then to connect it to today, the NSA after 9-11, the National Security Act, that was what allowed the CIA to effectively operate on American soil because we have to spy on everyone because terrorists are everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy. And Lovett, who you know was that founder of the CIA, he was a bonesman as well, as most of these guys were. Mm-hmm. So that's basically it that I have. I mean, it. Um, yeah, I just got like one more paragraph. Let me go over it. Yeah, let's do it. Out of Skull and Bones, we got John Kerry, who's tied to the CIA. We got George H.W. Bush, who is in charge of China. He was the first chief U.S. liaison officer to the People's Republic of China after Nixon reestablished America's political relationship with China. China's important in all this because the opium trade. They're the predig- biggest producers and users of the opium in the world. America needed something to trade with China. If we didn't sell opium, then the tea, porcelain, and silk would have required us to barter with coin, which we didn't have, so we had to use opium. The Yale Divinity yeah. School. The Yale Divinity School mentioned earlier set up hospitals and schools in China. So that's what I was getting at earlier about how we set up hospitals and schools to infiltrate because we were getting into China. So we used the, the Yale Divinity School to set up good stuff, colleges and hospitals in China. We're helping people. Yeah. I want to dig into that more, the logistics of using those institutions to infiltrate because it's obviously a pattern. We'll obviously... dig into that some more. Yeah. Um, way f- Among the staff of the school set up was Mao Zedong. American intelligence used this yell in China, is what they called it, with the help of Reuben Holden, George Bush's cousin and fellow bonesman. George Bush was sent to look over the trading in China by Richard Nixon. The Bushes are still involved in, excuse me, they're still involved in economic activity in Red China. George Bush was a major figure consolidating and managing the global drug trade during these times, and the Bush family is still connected to the drug trade in the CIA today. During the Vietnam War, one of the major achievements was securing the Golden Triangle, the place where Thailand, Laos, and Myanmar meet at the Ruak and Mekong rivers. It's approximately 950,000 square miles of fertile land in the mountains that is most ideal for producing heroin. The Vietnam War, yeah. Thanks, Bundy right, Brothers. Like the, the- Growing poppies is apparently the most profitable business on earth. Mm -hmm. This is said to be the second war of China, one still connected to the opium drug trade. It was not called a war officially, but instead a police action, Vietnam War. This is a technical way of waging war without actually waging war. 
because you would need approval from various agencies if it's technically war. Right. Declarations of war have been rare since World War II. Most work is done through police action. George Bush was the highest-ranking U.S. official involved in this war. Bush was the director of the National Narcotics Interdiction System, the head of the DEA. Francis Mullen Jr. claimed Bush's efforts were intellectual fraud and a liability rather than an asset. Mullen resigned after making these statements, and the official report from the General Accounting Office was buried. The paper reported in 85 that no benefits from the National Narcotics Border Interdiction System directed by George Bush been no benefits. In fact, the overall effect was to encourage supply. So he was supposed to be like fighting drugs with this institution, but in effect, it encouraged the supply of drugs. So it's really weird that the institutions that are put right in front of our face are doing the opposite on the other end. Yeah. Just like Joe Biden, who's like, you know, coming out and getting all the Democrats. But on the other end, he's passing crime bills and drafting the Patriot Act and, you know, touching little girls. Yeah, he's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Um, almost done. I'm like, a couple more sentences. But, but, but Monica Jensen Stevenson at this time wrote a book titled Kiss the Boys Goodbye, which detailed the covert drug operations in the Golden Triangle. This involved our intelligence community using Palmia, you know, prisoner of war, missing in action, Palmia, using Palmia governmental agencies as cover for the drug trafficking. <laughs> So fucked up, because like I used so, to work for so, like they, they. How do they use them as covering the drug trafficking? Mm. Dude, I don't even know. It's a good thing to look into. Yeah, like I was just curious how they use PO, POW MIA. Yeah, I thought I, I thought. And the fact that they were over there looking for prisoners of war that were missing in action—is that kind of what they were saying? Like, hey, we're we're over here. In the Golden Triangle, searching for Palmias, or I guess we would have to read Monica Jensen Stevenson's book, Kiss the Boys Goodbye, which detailed that covert drug operation. This involved our intelligence community community using Palmia governmental agencies as cover for the drug trafficking. Hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe they were just always wandering around Vietnam. We're looking for prisoner of war, missing in action, but they're really just. Yeah, that's a good book to read. I'm, I'm going to read that. Kiss the Boys Goodbye. Reagan was president at this time with Ross Perot as vice president. Ross Perot appointed to the president's... Whoa. Ross Perot... <laughs> my chihuahua jumped up and then screamed. I don't know what his deal is. Ross Perot was appointed to the president's advisory council on foreign intelligence. Perot made a special investigator... Wait, looking specifically... I don't know what my sentence means. Relations between Bush and Perot had gone downhill ever since the vice president had asked Ross Perot how his Palmia investigations were going. Oh, okay. Ross Perot took the job serious. He was he was hired by the president. Ronald Reagan got Ross Perot as vice president. Perot was made a special investigator looking specifically into Palmia. Perot took the job serious. Relation so Perot was uncovering what was going on because he took it serious. Mm-hmm. And and Reagan didn't like that. So 
This is a quote. Well, George, I go in looking for prisoners, said Ross Perot, but I spend all my time discovering the government has been... Oh, yeah, they're looking for prisoners. But I spend all my time discovering the government has been moving drugs around the world and is involved in illegal arms deals. I can't get at the prisoners because of the corruption among our own people. This ended Perot's... Yeah, this ended Perot's official access to the highly classified files. I have been instructed to cease... I have been instructed to cease and desist. He had informed the families of missing men earlier in 1987. Wow. Yeah, dude. They're like, no, bro, you're you're a public official, but you can't go tell the public what the fuck is going on. What is wrong with you? Yeah, I got one last go look into this. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. It's like people researching stuff now, or like you know, they go they go missing, they die, they have to shut up. They get deplatformed. So the last paragraph, last paragraph. Narcotics like cocaine cannot be made without a precursor chemical. A major manufacturer of these chemicals is Eli Lilly Company out of Indianapolis, Indiana. The Quail family is a large stockholder in this company with George Bush having been on the board of directors. Eli Lilly Company also first synthesized LSD for the CIA. George Bush was heavily involved in the Iran-Contra cocaine importation. You familiar with Iran-Contra? It, uh, well, you can elaborate a little bit. If you yeah, I, I, I looked in just to see what it was, and this is the end of it. Um, it is said that the Contras were supplying us with cocaine. I think that they were in Africa, a group in Africa of rebels. The crack cocaine epidemic in California at the time was directly from the Contras. Bush was Reagan's vice president at this time. Iran-Contra was basically a double standard by our government. The democratic rebel Contras were rising up against the communism Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Congress cut funding off from the Contras. We then sold arms to Iran in exchange for hostages being held. The profits from the arms deal were funneled to the Contras. So I think we were so supposed to be... shot guns to one side and giving the money to the other. Yeah, and then because they're giving us cocaine. So we just fueled the circle. We didn't do anything to stop it. Um, so the profits from the arms deal were funneled to the Contras in various ways after we cut funding. So the government came out and said, we're not funding the Contras anymore. After that, we gave them money from the arms deal. So many of the key players in this chapter in history kept direct communications with George Bush. And then George Bush's offshore company named Zapata, and that gets into 9-11, using it to a cover for transporting heroin. So that's what, that's what I got looking in the skull and bones is all those connections. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg, man. Yeah. The thing is, we could probably spend like 14 episodes going deep on skull and oh, bones yeah. with all the temples they have everywhere. It's like we're going to have to explore each one of these yeah. individually. But uh, they, we, you know, you think about the concept of an Illuminati, like, uh, goddamn, I mean— the, what an Illuminati, what that basically is, is the elite ruling class making decisions that affect the rest of the world, right? Like, that's the conspiracy behind it. Mm-hmm. That's literally what the Skull and Bones is. You have these men that, uh, which, by the way, mostly all fucking men, you know, uh, they just started. That was another interesting thing. Interesting thing. They didn't allow women in 
until like 92 mm-hmm. when they started tapping women back then. But anyway, you have been... a collection of men and now some women who are in elite positions of power pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. And they all have this secretive tie back to this club that we don't know what it does. Like, you know, we don't know really what. Like they don't speak about what what they what they learn and what they do in their year or years as a bonesman, um, but it definitely feels a little nefarious, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you simply just can't mock it. Yeah, I mean, there's too many facts pointing to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And one last thing I've been learning from Bishop Larry Gators, who's been on uh, Sam Tripoli's Tinfoil Hat Show. Shout out to those guys. But Larry Gators is talking a lot about the Black Boule Society, which is the secret society for black people because black people can't be skull and bones. Yeah. And then you get into Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. LeBron James has the Black Boule logo tattooed all over his chest. It's like a lion with wings or something. So that would be something to dig in as well. But I think it's hard to find information on that. Well, I want to listen to that uh, tinfoil hat because uh, I listen to, to, to Tripoli and those guys. So mm-hmm. I want to check out. I just haven't yeah, listened to the episodes. He did a few episodes. I would go listen to his first one. He he went into the the right after Kobe Bryant. He went into the death of Kobe Bryant, connected it to the Black Boule Society, coronavirus, and the major pharmaceutical companies that Kobe Bryant was suing because he. Do you know about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know which companies he was suing, but I heard that he was suing some pharmaceutical companies for lacing. And, uh, they were lacing his Black Mamba supplement with heroin. Oh, yeah. How all goes back to opium and heroin. Yep, 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 yep. It all goes back to opium and heroin. So, uh, and that's not skull and bones. That's black boule because the black people can't be skull and bones. So they got they have this other society. So, saw that at play. But he was suing these pharmaceutical companies for lacing it with heroin. And the week before, one of the the, the CEO of high tech pharmaceuticals actually went to jail. And he was going to trial the next week, Kobe Bryant, and it was hard evidence. So the week after he died, he was scheduled for trial to take down the rest of them. And it was it was a hard case. He was winning that case. Did and, uh, uh, did he end up going to trial? No, he died in the plane crash the week before. The week after his death, he had that he was going to trial for this whole case. And the thing is. Those pharmaceutical companies are owned by a larger company out of Switzerland, which is the Big Pharma headquarters, the AG Varda Group. They're owned from the and that company, AG Varda, according to uh, oh sweet Chihuahua, according to Bishop Larry Gators, that company owns Corona COVID nineteen patents. Uh, I think eleven to eighteen or one to ten, and then Bill Gates. Funding the Perbright Institute, they own the other patents, 1 to 10 or 11 to 18. And then the, a secret bioweapon lab in China owns the 19th patent. That's why it's COVID-19. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, but the Kobe Bryant death, people think he just died in a helicopter, but it was... One second, Dylan. All right. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, to look into, look into Larry Gators, he goes deep in the Kobe Bryant's death and connects it to 
Big Pharma, COVID-19, and Black Boulet. It's badass. Well, we got another rabbit hole we can go down. Yeah, man. Hey, dude, an hour and 50 minutes. That's pretty solid. For our first episode, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to be more prepared next time, people. Sorry. I just had a, a week slash weekend to look into this stuff, and uh, Dylan's been reading books and shit. So you're, uh, you're, I'm going to work I promise. <laughs> All good, man. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Illuminati Squatty Potty Podcast is the name. We're going to get it up everywhere. It might just be on YouTube at the beginning, and then it'll show up everywhere. Try to do one a week, huh? I guess every Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. we can do one a week, Wednesday. That'd be cool just catch up with you every week, too. Yeah, see what's up. Maybe check out uh, Colorado. Yeah, check, you're down in, down in the dirty south. Check out our Death of Skepsis, S-K-E-P-S-I-S. Uh, by my hand is the name of the EP. Check it out, Jamie. A little plug on there. Yeah. Oh, and, and our other had, record. I had, I had to plug Golgotham too. Sorry. Oh yeah, Golgotham. Plug it. Gold I did Gotham. already. I did okay. earlier. I had to talk about something while you were pissing. I just didn't talk talk to myself. Uh, yeah. Check out Golgotham. That's Jesse's other uh, metal band. If people like screaming and double bass, and uh, also Jesse and I did a hip hop project called. Uh, the project is called Metamorphicon, and the album is Black Matter Lives. And uh, check it out. Check it out. That's kind of crazy. Uh, we named that, you named that shit how long ago? Black Matter Lives? Almost like Black Lives Matter, Dylan. Yeah. But that was, lives. that was prior Black Lives Matter movement, people. It was right at the start of it. Oh, was it? Was start, it? it was starting to bud. It was it was uh, smaller. It was like after the Blue Lives Matter movement got destroyed and replaced by the Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. That was a good show. All right, bro. Episode well, one. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Till next week. So, see you then. Yeah, man. Later, Peace, bye. dude.